Welcome to season two of Well Connected with Dr. Joe Kavidar, a podcast series from Partners Connected Health. I'm your host, Joe Kavidar. Join me as we embark on another exciting season of interesting and thought-provoking conversations with the leaders, disruptors, and innovators who are redefining the future of technology-enabled health and wellness. Blockchain. We've all heard about how it's going to transform healthcare, but do we really know what it means, how it works, why we need it? In a recent report, Deloitte Consulting describes blockchain as a potential game changer in healthcare because it may offer a solution to more easily aggregate health data in a secure, trusted, automated, and error-free way. Academic institutions like MIT and Oxford University are offering online courses on blockchain to gain a deeper understanding of blockchain technology. And even my friend, John Halamka, who's the Chief Information Officer for the Beth Israel Deaconess Health System, is the Editor-in-Chief of Blockchain in Healthcare Today, a new online peer-reviewed journal that launched in March 2018. So today on our podcast, we're going to tackle blockchain and learn what the hype is all about. And I've invited my friend and colleague, Samir Damani, to help us with that. Dr. Uh, Damani has extensive experience, both as a clinician and as a technology entrepreneur. Relevant to what we're going to talk about mostly today, he's co-founder of Mint Health, a decentralized health platform that aligns healthcare stakeholders around the shared goal of patient empowerment and improved clinical outcomes at lower cost. Prior to Mint Health, Samir was the founding CEO of MD Revolution, which has become the technology-enabled service platform for Medicare's chronic care management program. And in the spirit of transparency, I'll mention that I'm an advisor to both of those companies. The MD Revolution platform integrates patient-generated data, electronic health records, and physician workflow to optimize population health management and has demonstrated an over five times ROI by reducing inpatient hospitalization claims in patients with multiple chronic conditions. Samir is a member of the clinical faculty at the Department of Family and Preventative Medicine at UC San Diego Medical School and is a board-certified cardiologist at Scripps Clinic. In addition to his medical training, he has a doctorate in pharmacy from the University of Georgia and a master's in clinical investigation from the Scripps Research Institute. So welcome, Samir, to Well Connected. Thanks, Joe. Uh, really excited uh, to be speaking with you, and um, uh, thanks for having me on. Let's, let's see if we can start with basics, and, and I'll confess to, to my listeners, this first question is one that I struggle with still, so I'm going to get uh, real-time update and education, but tell us sort of it, as much in layman's terms as you can, what exactly is blockchain? Yeah, so that's, uh, it's interesting, you know, with all the hype with Bitcoin um, and, you know, Ethereum and all these other uh, digital tokens and the ICO craze back in 2017, I think we frequently confuse the fundamental blockchain technology, which is the infrastructure, it's almost middleware, um, that uh, financial uh, uh, digital transactions can occur um, with blockchain technology. So, so really blockchain is nothing but a 
platform or an intermediary, which is basically a group of computers that are sharing storage, uh, processing power uh, to essentially have a distributed network that can then securely record uh, information. And that's really what blockchain technology is. Uh, and upon that infrastructure, which of course Bitcoin was the first to transact on this distributed network of computerized nodes, you know, you can have multiple applications. Uh, and because it's distributed, the ability to uh, break into hack, to change things, makes it much harder. So blockchain fundamentally is, is really a distributed ledger technology that allows for any kind of information to be passed uh, securely um, and, and essentially makes it unhackable um, unless you, you would essentially have to hack you know, 51% of the computers all at once in order to change uh, you know, the, the data uh, that is available. And even if you were able to do so, you would know exactly what happened, who did it, um, and at what time. So it, it is most powerful as a uh, tool to enhance security. Would you, would that be true? Yeah, I think no. I think it's it's most powerful and its its ability to 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 promote security, but its ability to take out the middleman. Um, you know, mm -hmm. you know. I think right. You know, typically you have a clearinghouse for data, whether it's a bank or whether it's an EHR. Um, and, and, and usually those clearinghouses are, are, are said to be needed because otherwise the data is not secure or stored. And so what, what blockchain does through cryptography, it allows through cryptography and through mathematical computations for you to send me information uh, that is cryptographically secure. And then we can authenticate that you are you. Uh, through mathematical ways of doing so, and there's you know proof of work and proof of stake, and there's a variety of different algorithms that are used to ensure that the transaction is is going to the right person through cryptography. And what you don't need is is a middleman to approve. Um, you know, I won't jump ahead, but at some point we can talk about how this applies to healthcare. But but typically, you know. In healthcare, um, you know there is an application because we are always, you know, we're always waiting for the provider or the EHR to allow uh, someone access, and and blockchain removes that need because of a, a variety of ways and through smart contracts and such. So we can certainly chat about that next if you'd like. But I don't know if that makes a little sense. No, that's helpful. You know, it, I I've never thought about it this way before. So if I'm off. Point you should uh, you should correct me, but I'm reminded of Napster, uh, the the music sharing program that launched uh, downloading MP3s. It it seems to me that it's it's got a similar feel to it. Yeah, I mean, well, I think Napster still sat on a server, so I think okay. you know. So so the way the way to look at it is this way. So you know you have um, a server which holds medical records, right? In the name of security. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in order for you as a patient to get access, you gotta, you have to fax uh, in permissions, the permission that has to be granted, and then somebody has to trigger the release of that information. Um, mm -hmm. What blockchain can do is, is that 
it can store. And and then there's one other thing within the blockchain. So so we talked about the ability to record data. Uh, we talked about the ability to send information through cryptography without needing a middle person because you know the person has uh, a certain ID and can be sent to a certain ID. But the other thing that's possible is something called smart contracts, where it's if-then logic. So, you know, if Joe Covadar proves that he is Joe Covadar through cryptography, then you could allow him to access data. So in other words, what can happen now is these ledgers serve as a global HIPAA log, right? And so okay. where now data can be moved. So I would be able to, so automatically an EHR or whomever could automatically see through cryptography that you are Joe Covadar. And then what they can do is move data into your personal cloud storage, right? Mm -hmm. And your personal cloud storage is nothing different. It could be Amazon, it could be Azure cloud, uh, it could be any cloud, mm -hmm. it could be iCloud. But what happens at that stage is that the, the blockchain then serves as a front-end layer. Because, you know, healthcare data is usually encrypted at, at rest and in transit. So it's sitting in your cloud encrypted. So if somebody tries to back into that data, uh, they wouldn't be able to back into it because it would be encrypted. Now, and if somebody tried to front-end to it, the, the blockchain basically would block them in that there would be smart contracts that say, Joe, Joe can set up through an app and say, oh, through the blockchain smart contracts, I'm going to say, you know, Samir can access this, this record. My wife can access this record. And each one of us would have a global unique identifier, right? So I would have right. a global unique identifier. Your wife would have a global unique identifier. And what the blockchain can do, the technology, the software can basically verify through, through cryptography, through the processing power that it's distributed, right? So you got this distributed processing power to make through mathematical ranges to make sure that these people are who they say they are. And then you could essentially access that data, but then that gets recorded. So anybody that ever records, so any any Ethereum transaction, any Bitcoin transaction is recorded open source. So you can go on uh, Etherscan right now and see every single transaction that's ever been done because it's all recorded. <laughs> so essentially it serves as a, as a global HIPAA law. Yep and the security level, because you could see who accessed it, even if it was accessed by somebody that wasn't supposed to have it, you could see that. And then on the back end, you're protected because it's encrypted. And so this is something that right. basically eliminates the need for third parties to, to do that. And so um, it, it really is a beautiful, uh, you know, healthcare is probably the one, you know, one or two top applications for blockchain mm -hmm. technology for the reason that anything that is siloed Anything that is uh, essentially siloed because of security can now be let free because blockchain really takes the need away of needing an intermediary that actually physically has to do something from a permissions perspective. So it's uh, this is great. So we've got a security uh, part and then there's this, I'll call it democratization part where, as you say, there's no more middleman. It's uh, it's uh, if there needs to be a transaction, the people can simply transact it. Right. Well, you can add on the fly. So you through an app would be able to add to your smart contract. You're in an ER. You would be able to add, hey, you know, allow so-and-so facility, you know, to access those records. Yeah. Just on the fly, you would be able to you would be in control. So it really puts the patient back in control of their records, which is a great thing. And, and, yeah. it, and eliminates the need for 
you know, the, the provider, the hospital, the health system to be involved with that because you can maintain control over your data. Um, you know, and again, the beauty is, is this kind of global HIPAA log, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, the ability to have your, your medical images, your, your health, your EHR data, your clinical data, and all your other data, your personal data all in one place. Uh, and, and, and you're not entrusting even an Apple per se or, or a third party to be able to, to have that data and protect that data. You know, you're, it's still under your control, which I think personally is very important as we enter this era where everyone's giving up everything of their data. Uh, you know, the question is, is do we really want, you know, corporations, you know, and other entities to own it where more and more uh, data is being reported? And I, you know, I think the answer to that is no, but you know, I think right. only time will tell. Right, and, and that is the new currency for sure. So you're, that's why I said democratizing because it's, uh, it, as you say, it gives me control over my destiny, which it, is really. That's exactly right, and, and, and it's very hard to do. I mean, you know, I think we've, we've uh, put data, you know, clinical data in silos, and then we expect behavioral modification and, and chronic <laughs> patients with chronic disease to take more control, and it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's counterintuitive, you know, that, yeah. that you would continue to house data in a very paternalistic fashion, uh, which is the most powerful thing, you know, as a cardiologist, when I, you know, see patients, the more patients have of their data, the more they own it, the more in control they are. And this is not just for younger people. This is even for my older patients that come in, you know, with their blood pressures on apps and stuff like that. They, they tend to be much more healthy and not always even uh, socioeconomically more um, more robust. I think yeah. it's, it's it's not like that. So I, I think that the democratization of data. You're right. is is a very important piece. Uh, you know, self sovereign records is another way to really describe it. Yep. So so let's talk now about now that we got that, and I think it was worth the time because I now feel like I understand it better than I ever have. So I'm gonna. Uh, assume that listeners will have a similar uh, reaction. Let's transition now to why you decided that Mint Health was your next journey and tell us how that empowers patients. Tell us uh, how it's going. A anything you want to do about that journey, t tell us how it's going and, and how blockchain's playing a role. Well, you know, I think when you think about Mint Health, you know, it was really a, an extension of my uh, vision for MD Revolution, which was, you know, we we really sought with MD Revolution to get patients to be more aware and accountable patients with multiple chronic conditions that we support. Um, you know, at MDR, we, we now have nearly 15,000 patients that we support um, through building better awareness and accountability through measurement, self-quantification, and then uh, actually accountability through through high touch human interactions. And what we saw is that, you know, in that situation, the government uh, is incentivized, um, the, the providers now are incentivized through payment, but but the but that patients not were not incentivized to do uh, certain behaviors. Um, and when I say that is 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 that intrinsic to that is being healthier, but that is a very an abstract concept for somebody with multiple chronic conditions with coronary disease, hypertension, diabetes. I mean, they fundamentally, um, you know, lack the awareness and the accountability, but they also 
you know, are not being incentivized by the government, by payers to do the right thing. And, and we saw an opportunity where, you know, if you could build high touch care and start to incentivize the kinds of behaviors, whether it's, you know, a incentive for heart failure patients to step on a scale every day so that they knew when their weight was going up, maybe they needed to take an extra water pill or, you know, diabetics to check their blood sugar uh, certain amount of times, you know, and, and there's in numerous other examples uh, with diabetes, heart disease, you know, Parkinson's, any kind of diseases that have intrinsic uh, uh, risks associated with hospitalization and ED visits, which are so costly in this country, you know, you can incentivize those behaviors and make a difference. Um, mm -hmm. So so the idea that, you know, to use the blockchain, as I mentioned, not only can you, you know, log data uh, and secure data, but you can also transact financial information. As you know, uh, being able to incentivize through the blockchain again uh, can be do can be done automatically, right? And, and can mm -hmm. be done without an intermediary. And and you can keep track of that financial incentives, and and you can redeem them. And so that was one thing where we said, well, wouldn't payers be interested to take their higher risk populations and to start incentivizing them? for very specific behaviors that we have known for 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 much for many years that that make a difference you know and so that was a, the one thing the other thing that was really fundamental to this was what we talked about earlier which is building a platform and and just to be clear mental health is a platform as a service i mean we we can enable any app in fact you know we're in discussions with mdr about tokenizing the RevUp app where now we're doing chronic hmm. care management uh, for the Medicare CCM program, but there are many other chronic care and care management, whether it's in clinical trials, where you want to incentivize those patients. Mm -hmm. And in those situations, MentHealth can tokenize any app to include incentives. And then what the other fundamental thing that I think was, was um, at the root of some of the problems we see with chronic conditions is, again, going back to this whole siloed data. And so the ability to take uh, a any app or any system and give data to the patient through this uh, blockchain smart contracting permissions framework, right? So creating a permissions framework where now the patient can house their own data and share mm -hmm. that data. Right. Um, those two features fundamentally, we saw at MintHealth as two big barriers to uh, freeing data, democratizing data, and empowering patients. So it really comes down to how can we better empower patients in this era where, uh, you know, chronic disease is, is, is ubiquitous um, and where, you know, data democratization is necessary for empowerment. And, and so Mint Health was born out of that to, to really focus on conditions that are high risk uh, conditions, incentivizing those patients to do the right behavior and giving them control of their data while leveraging yeah, blockchain technology. So that that's great. And uh, I want to take it one step further and talk about vitamins and the role that uh, those tokens play in the whole ecosystem you've created. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so vitamins is basically the token that um, is is a, a token that Mint Health has uh, created uh, in order to incentivize patients to actually do certain behaviors. And then they would essentially be able to 
from there leverage. So you would you would as a platform as a service, you plug in an API, right, which then has pointers to the cloud storage where their data resides. So now data is coming in there from whether it's from the EHR, from their personal devices, and then you're plugging in a redemption marketplace. No difference in Amex points, right? Um, but I want to clarify that you know even in the setting is you know vitamin is you know it could be white labeled it could be a, an existing loyalty program where maybe patients earn vitamins but then <laughs> it gets converted to cvs points or you know <laughs> any other specific system where the redemption is already predetermined so you know the vitamin is just our token um, that we leverage for the incentive process that we talked about and the redemption process. But again, it could be white labeled. It could be converted uh, back into any other uh, token format if necessary. So I'm getting that. And I know this was one of the things that appealed to me when, when you asked me to, to get involved. I'm getting this picture of we have the, the secure network. We have the democratization. And then, the again, your passion around chronic illness, which I, I share, you you have the a strategic use of these tokens to um, to uh, promote different behavior uh, change uh, for that will help with with chronic illness. Is that a, a pretty good summary of what the whole thing's about? Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. It's about patient empowerment through uh, increasing the control of data and reducing the cost of care through proper incentives and care management. Uh, I think that's fundamentally what it is, and, and it's a platform as a service. So it can be done in any environment. Uh, you know, it can be, you, you know, any app can be kind of what we call blockchain and token mm. enabled, right? So if you take, you know, an existing app that, you know, could yeah. be a Fitbit app, you know, Fitbit, uh, you know, could become a self-sovereign health record by using the mental hmm. technology where we would go in and create the platform, cloud storage, create the infrastructure where now patients could add data to that through, you know, their global patient identifier, which would then connect through integrations with the HRs, pull data in, and which we've built a core competency in through, through MDR and otherwise. And then you could tokenize uh, the Fitbit app. So that way, you know, those patients now are doing behaviors to uh, get more data. And you could, you could do data campaigns where if somebody wanted to get more data, you could run campaigns where you're incentivizing data acquisition and aggregation. Um, or you could do, you know, patient campaigns where you're focusing on specific disease states. Um, but the idea here is the core concept around creating a self-sovereign record and building a permissions framework such that the patient can have uh, what we call data mm -hmm. liquidity, you know, as opposed to data silos where the data can really move. It's really in many ways uh, replacing the need for the HIEs, which as we know have really failed as a, as, a as, a, as a mechanism for doing this, which is what the idea was. Um, and then the tokenization is a yeah. setup process. Fabulous. And, and um, is this mainly being offered as a health plan? I mean, what, what, how's the business work? Yeah, so the main focus right now, you know, our health plans, we are working with a uh, Medicare Advantage Great. plan, uh, uh, Golden State uh, in, um, in Southern California uh, to build out 
the incentive structure. I mean, they frequently have to give their patients incentives for, you know, diabetic right. eye exams or, you know, so that incentive process already is in place. And so, you know, the idea of building out uh, a more sophisticated structure over the next, you know, two to three, four years um, makes a lot of sense. And then obviously targeting very specific populations with the incentives um, is is also uh, uh, the next step in that process. Well, we we are excited to see it unfold because I think it's really uh, as as you were when, with your first company uh, ahead of the curve. And uh, if the trajectory of, of MD Revolution is a is a uh, model, then you're just ahead of the curve enough because that uh, company was. I remember when you originally approached me about it and, and how much you in the early days you, you pivoted. So I want to switch and talk about that experience, partly because it's a wonderful uh, experience. I, I, I think it's probably one of the most successful remote monitoring uh, companies. And I realize that's not all that you do, but that's sort of the part that I think is brilliant is that this is really not about remote monitoring, but that's a heavy component of the technology. Um, and originally, I remember it was sort of a wellness play, right? corporate wellness, and, and it's morphed over time. Right. So just I would I think our, our listeners would, would love to get a, a small, a short synopsis of the journey, how you came up with the idea, how it morphed and, and just a, a, a snapshot of where the company is today. No, thank you. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. Um, you know, uh, I, you know, just a little background, you know, I'm a cardiologist, uh, still practicing. I still see patients at scripts about uh, one and a half, two days a week and um, never really stopped that. But in 2012, you know, after I'd done a fair amount of research, uh, ran a number of NIH trials and, and, you know, I started to see that, you know, doing basic research on biomarkers and, and you know, um, and, and, you know, uh, molecules or otherwise, you know, while certainly necessary, you know, I could spend the rest of my career to see something commercialization and may never see that. And what I learned by seeing patients in a socioeconomically challenged part of San Diego County was, wow, this, you know, when I would just get patients, you know, who are highly non-compliant, <laughs> not taking blood pressure, frequently having trouble to make their appointments, if I just simply got them to start tracking, you know, their blood pressure, their, their weight for heart failure, um, I went from taking patients who were not getting, taking their medicines to actually finding out that they're emailing me, um, their logs and changing their timing of their medicines so that they were finding out that it would be better for them to take the medicine at night <laughs> because their blood pressure was spiking in the right. morning, you know? And, and so it was just a level of engagement. I realized goes back to that, you know, there was an awareness piece to measurement that, you know, is very mm -hmm. uh, well known in business, what you measure, yeah. you manage, uh, but not so much. We don't really emphasize that in in our daily uh, interactions with patients for those conditions that could benefit. Yeah. And we, we, we know it's important, but we don't touch them. And then the other piece is the human interaction. You know, we see them once every three months, so we expect them to, you know, to, to do this. And when they come back, you know, they, they haven't. And so this idea of high touch care and, uh, taking services, human interaction, and augmenting that through technology um, and, and uh, building awareness through measurement was really why MD Revolution was founded. And so 
you know, we were very early when we thought about building a platform because at that time devices were just coming out. You know, the Fitbits was considered digital yep. health. You know, I company. remember, and and we all know now that while Fitbits are just nodes and devices to collect data, that digital health is really what you mm -hmm. do with that data. Um, and so, you know, we we did pivot because at the time, you know, we were educating people on this whole building awareness and accountability and. You know, in 2015, the government came out with codes that actually started to reimburse doctors for touching patients in between office visits because there's an there's a real uh, appreciation for the importance of this in the in the care cycle. And so, you know, fast forward, you know, six years <laughs> later, uh, you know, government and Medicare has now shown that for every forty two dollars they spend on chronic care management, which is the first kind of code out there to provide reimbursement for asynchronous kind of non-face-to-face -face care um, is generating $72 net uh, wow. benefit, um, and, but through reduction of inpatient hospitalizations. And so, you know, I think, you know, that we were early and, you know, what I would say is, you know, um, sometimes uh, being early is, is, is as bad as being yeah. late or worse yeah. because you, know, you, you really have to struggle to survive and, find a market. But I, you know, I'm happy to say that, you know, we, we have been able to survive and we're growing now and we're in a great position to start to enter other markets. And I can also say what's nice is that, you know, instead of going out there and educating people on why this is important, we're now talking about how our platform works and, and, and why we can do it. And, it, and it's taught us a lot of discipline. I mean, at $42 to do a 20 minute interaction every month, it takes a very sophisticated uh, technology platform and a well-trained, um, uh, uh, well-trained kind of clinical right. force. Uh, we have over 45 MAs managing 15,000 patients. We're at over 60 sites, and you know we're we're closing you know several new um, distribution partnerships with EHR vendors and. You know, we're really excited to start to branch out um, and helping Medicare Advantage plans and a lot of these health plans that are paying our ends and godly amounts of money to touch a very small percentage of patients. Um, and so what we're able to do now is through, you know, through digital messaging, text messaging, phone calls. I, I mean, I think um, some of the statistics that we had was I think we made over 60,000 health coaching calls last year. And. We had over 2,000 escalations, and it's it's really tremendous what we're able to do at a very low cost. And um, so we're excited, but we're an easy journey. Um, it's it's you know it's um, it's something you know that uh, that you have to really you know one of my mentors told me he said you know Samir if you you don't you only you only fail if you quit. <laughs> so, so, you know, I think you have to have the, the, the kind of wherewithal and the tenacity to kind of see things through. And I think we're getting there. I mean, we're not completely out of the woods, but you know, we are getting there and, and we're really excited about, uh, entering new spaces. Clinical trials is another area where, you know, more and more companies, um, pharma and otherwise are seeing, uh, digital care management as a, an adjunct to driving better outcomes and and seeing it not only as an adjunct but actually as a necessary companion yeah and so you know we're looking forward to kind of diving into some of those other adjacent markets um, now that we've built the kind of uh, how I can say built kind of the industrial 
kind of scale into into the actual technology and services. Yeah. Well, again, hats off to you personally and to the company because uh, uh, I see the I get the reports every month and I know uh, pretty much exactly what's going on and uh, you have a lot to be proud of there. Well, thank uh, you. I'm going to, so before we wrap up, uh, I asked many of my guests this question and you are a great guy to ask it. So, uh, and, and it's, it's not meant to be, uh, a fluff. It, it, I'm, I'm serious about this. What, what do you think, uh, is going to be in the next few years for our future? Uh, you can, you can focus on blockchain. That's uh, certainly appropriate because we all know that's an important part of the future, but what, it, anything else that you see? And if you do decide to focus on blockchain, talk to me a little bit more about how we're going to see it, uh, enter our lives as consumers. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about blockchain, you know, I think in particular, um, and I could speak broadly about healthcare and blockchain, but you know, to start with blockchain, I think what we're going to really see is more enterprises. Um, and, and you have like FedEx that have put multiple billions of dollars in the technology. You're seeing the enterprise use of blockchain technology really expand. Um, and I think that, you know, what my sense is, is that some of the other uh, applications that we've heard about in the past, particularly around the tokens, are not going to be as robust as what may have been initially thought. I, I just think that, you know, the infrastructure that was created, the fundamental technology is very sound. And I think <clears throat> we're seeing the enterprises, Google, uh, you know, all the big ones. And I have a few slides that shows FedEx, you know, and you've got all IBM. There's so many different companies that are building enterprise solutions using the blockchain technology as a framework. Uh, and, and for all the reasons we talked about earlier. So I think the enterprises are really going to be leveraging, and so a lot of it will be behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, I do think that even with Mint Health, we're looking to, to leverage this within very specific ap applications and very specific industries. And so I think for, from a blockchain perspective, a lot of uh, the applications are going to be within companies, corporations, and behind the scenes. Um, as far as healthcare in general, what's exciting to me is I think we're going to, and, and, and you were, you know, speaking of being ahead of the curve, I mean, I think Joe, you know, early on in 2011, 2012, when I was just starting to think about this concept and I mean, I think, you know, you, you know, you were really there, your, your vision was spot on too. And, and I think what's happening now is, and it's exciting is that we're seeing Every entity, you know, whether it's a entity caring for, you know, Medicaid, uh, in, in the case of California, Medi-Cal populations, or, you know, you're seeing any entity that's looking to get into healthcare, um, thinking about population health, digital health as, as synonymous. And and how, if, if your strategy does not include a digital engagement strategy, um, it, it's not a good one. And, and we're seeing more hmm. and more uh, uh, at-risk providers. Uh, Medicare Advantage space is a great example. I mm -hmm. think it, it's it's growing so rapidly. You know, it, in fact, I saw stats that showed eighty-six uh, percent of Medicare Advantage percent, uh, patients uh, last year, or excuse me, this year saw no premium increase, and about forty percent saw a premium decrease. And that's that's really revolutionary. Mm, and I think what's happening there is is you're finally sharing the risk. 
uh, with the providers, with the independent physician organization. I think for those groups to be successful, digital health incentives, all these things that we're talking about are going to have to be layered in. And I think they're realizing it. So it's going to be an exciting, you know, 5, 10, 20 years because this is this is a problem that's going to uh, face us uh, for the next 100 years, much like climate change. And so, you know, I think uh, technology solutions are con- continue to abound. And, you know, uh, hopefully we'll we'll start to see some um, really great applications emerge. And, you know, we hope to be part of those uh, solutions. Well, I look forward to uh, to uh, contributing and being at your side with your future success. And I thank you for your time today. Uh, uh, and, and I really feel like at, at we achieved what I had hoped, which is our, I feel more educated about blockchain. And I know our listeners do, too. So thanks for spending the time. All right. Great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Joe. Thanks for listening to Well Connected with Dr. Joe Kavita. A special thanks for me personally to Tony McMillan, our engineer, and Lynn Josephson, our senior marketing manager, for putting this series together. If you enjoyed our show and want to know more, visit our website at partners.org forward slash connected health, all one word. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Connected Health. For more episodes of our series, search Partners Connected Health on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.